0: I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I love the memes. I love all the funny stuff. But the reality is, like you said, social media can be incredibly toxic. You know, not only because we now live in a society where we have to feel like we're competing with other people in order to feel adequate or people set these bars that, you know, are considered, quote unquote, a standard based upon what social media is saying and and portraying out there to us, right? So people, that in itself, it can be really, really toxic.
1: Hey, 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 welcome to The Hope In Show. This is the podcast that explores the power of holistic wellness and empower you with the tools and resources to become the best version of yourself. We use the wellness model that includes spirituality, mental health, physical health, financial well-being, relationship, occupational wellness, leisure, and fun. How does all these things come together to make us who we are? And how can we live a balanced life? I'm your host, Mildred Diggs, and I'm excited to be on this life journey with you. So how was your weekend? My weekend
0: was very quiet I did some cooking and just some
1: relaxing watching some tv shows it was it was pretty relaxing how was yours nice um I volunteer with the church um we have like our Easter play coming up so we were doing makeups and stuff for the cast nice nice so one of the things I like to do uh let me just give you a little background the show is about holistic wellness mm-hmm. so actually looking at the whole being rather than you know compartmentalizing the different areas of our lives mm-hmm. and I've been talking to people on different areas like financial well-being and community relationship one of the things that I want to do today is actually emphasize emotional well-being and mental well-being mm-hmm. because that I feel like it's a crucial aspect of who we are and if we don't have you know good foundation in that area a lot of other areas can be shaky. Mm-hmm. So my goal today is to help people understand the importance of it and how we can get help to improve those areas. Um, But before we do that, i like my guests to introduce themselves. So when I say Victoria Cooper, who are you? Victoria Cooper
0: is a human. So that's the first thing. Victoria is a human who happens to be a licensed therapist and a licensed behavioral specialist. I own a practice called the consulting firm. We provide solution focused therapy to business owners, leaders, anybody that's in those leadership positions or executives. We also provide workshops and mediation to companies and organizations. So the overall goal for that um, space and platform is to provide people who are often overlooked in leadership positions an opportunity to just be heard and supported because oftentimes there's an expectation for them to perform at a higher level and their feelings don't mm-hmm. get taken into consideration.
1: Right. Well, that's that's really good because yeah. when I think about, you know, emotional being, you see the people who are, like, you know, career-oriented or just passionate about what they do, sometimes um, we don't consider the emotional well-being of our leaders and, you know, how much burden it is mm-hmm. to to just have in that space and somebody who can actually help with that that's really
0: and I love that you have this platform because you know when you are thinking about whether even if you're a leader of your household right because there's Mm -hmm. leaders can exist anywhere Um, and a lot of times too you see entrepreneurs and young professionals doing things on social media and the Mm -hmm. uh, presentation is that everybody has it together and everybody is doing great and they're fine and more often than not, that's not the case. You know, everybody has their struggles right. and insecurities and fears, and it's
1: important to address those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned that uh, a couple weeks ago. I posted something on social media. I said, um, you know, embrace your own walk, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody, you see, you know, the perfect pictures out there. Everybody's struggling with something. Yep. Um, so to compare your unfinished, you know, life with somebody, you know, social media perfect picture isn't realistic. Mm-hmm. So. so, but when you hear, you know, emotional well being, what is it, and you know, how does it affect our overall health? Yeah,
0: emotional well being is just mentally and in your mind feeling good and feeling like you are taking care of yourself, and a lot of times we don't realize that, you know, our body speaks to us and our mind speaks to us. And it's going to be really important for them to coincide together and work together. And oftentimes when one of them is imbalanced, it affects the other. So if there's something that is going on with your body, it often does affect your mind. And that's one of the common things that people, you know, think about, you know, when you know, you hear about some sort of health concern, you go to your mind and you're stressed about it, you're concerned. But a lot of people don't take into account that when you are stressed about a situation that is in your head, it also does the reverse where it impacts your body. Very, very much so.
1: Growing up in Liberia, right? The conversation about mental health wasn't even a thing, right? I remember when I was in nursing school, One of my psych clinical professor asked us to explain what mental health meant to us, but in our cultural context. And when I wrote about it, she was surprised because for me, when I heard mental health, I heard crazy, right? And those were the extreme cases of people on the street, in the dirt, removing the clothes, So that was my view of mental health until I came to the United States, because when they said mental health problem, it was you were out on the street, you were considered to be crazy. So what are some people who aren't from the cultural background that really talks about mental health and, you know, helping people that has that cultural background to be able to understand what mental health is or, you know, have had a better understanding of mental health. What are some of the signs and symptoms of having some mental health challenges? Well, I
0: I just want to add, too, is oftentimes people think that when it comes to mental health and being able to control your emotions, it is something that you can easily take a hold of, and it's almost a sign of weakness, especially in the Liberian culture, if you're unable to do that. But the reality is, when it comes to what we can control in our minds, that that is a very important and powerful thing to be able to grasp and have, and it's something that we process with our clients in therapy. But one thing we don't take into consideration are the neurotransmitters and the chemicals that are in our body that allow us to function. So one thing I always say when I'm teaching this concept um, to my clients is like, you know, we're not thinking about our ability to blink or what makes us like clap our hands on demand or snap our fingers, right? These are all neurotransmitters that are in our body that allow us to do these things. And these same neurotransmitters and chemicals that are in our body also influence our ability to feel and think and react to certain situations, which ultimately is our mental health. So while there's some people that feel like they um, can control it, oftentimes these are things that it's hard to control if your chemicals are not balanced and your chemicals are off because of things that you've experienced. Now when we talk about these chemical imbalances and how they affect our mind, we also have to think about how chemicals affect our body, right? So sometimes when people mentally are not feeling their best, it often is a reflection on how they're sleeping, their appetite, how often they are irritable, you know, the joy, the things that they're used to doing or things that are part of their routine that they do for fun or just part of their regular cycle. They're not doing those things anymore or isolating or having trouble making certain decisions or procrastinating, all of those things can directly be correlated not only to our mental health, but also to the chemicals that are in our body and how things are different and off.
1: So it sounds like you need to understand your body and the signals that it's, it's telling you. Because I was telling somebody the other day, oh, I think it was one of the guests on the show that I know that I'm stressed when I have headaches between my brows. That's how, you know, my body communicates to me that I'm stressed. So understanding your body, knowing what are the signs it's sending you, what are the signals giving you to alert you that there is something is going on mentally. It sounds like a key first step.
0: So if you feel like your routine and your lifestyle or just even how your interactions and responses to people have shifted and it's not the same, then that's how you know that there's a signal of something you know, going on that's of concern.
1: How do you prioritize your emotional well-being in a culture that applauds busyness? And sometimes people are in school, doing business, parenting, running the family, having a full-time job. How do you prioritize your emotional well-being in the midst of your busyness?
0: Yeah, it's about being intentional, and you know, and intentions are internal when it comes to being intentional about ourselves, right? So, it's going to be really important about being intentional about the way that you want to live. Taking a moment to pause and evaluate the things that you want for yourself and um, how you're gonna get there with those desired outcomes. So being intentional, you know, internally and for yourself and personally is gonna be, you know, incredibly important when it comes to maintaining this or having a certain lifestyle or well-being that you want. Another thing that is really important is, you know, I have people that will come in and be like, I really want to change this. And they keep coming in and it's the same, you know, desire, but yet nothing is changing. And oftentimes I'll say, you'll change when you're tired. When you are really tired or it has like, and I don't mean tired and sleepy, but you are just over it, right? Or something has truly just impacted your life to the point you're like, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. Then you know that you're ready for that change. People could tell you, but if you don't feel it, it's not going to happen.
1: So I want to talk a little bit about some of the common myths about mental health, because even though as a culture, we are really warming up to mental health and how it impacts us. But there is still stigma surrounding mental health, especially when it comes to guys, right? It's almost like when you are vulnerable to ask for help, it's almost like it's a sign of weakness that you're weak, that you as a guy, you need to ask for help. I just want to go over some of the common myths and maybe you can help us unpack it and debunk some of it even.
0: Yeah. Oftentimes people think that If you minimize it, it's not a big deal and you'll get over it. So that's a common myth. A lot of times people, one of the biggest myths is that people feel like they're alone and that people cannot relate. So they feel ashamed, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, people or certain demographics and generations who are not used to finding ways to be intentional about their healing, right? So we hear that, you know, in the Black population, especially in the African population, and especially with men, you hear that, where a lot of the times people will feel like nobody understands, and the way that they're feeling is so often different that it's shameful to even come forward and talk about these things. It'll be embarrassing. You're not man enough, all of those different things. So that's one of the biggest myths and misconceptions is feeling like you are alone, feeling like You know, nobody cares is one thing. And also, feeling like you're not able to get the proper support and help that you need. When we are going through our own mental struggles, it's so personal to us that we truly do feel like it's only our pain. Nobody can ever feel this. Nobody can ever understand. Mm -hmm. It's like you just don't get it. And oftentimes, when I have clients who sit in my chair, it's such a theme where they all have the same exact issues and stressors. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, I just talked to my last client about a, a situation like this. Oh, I have another client that just you know, said something like this. Oh, yeah, a lot of people are feeling the impact of this significant change in the world or with the weather or with life or certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. So people can relate more than we know.
1: You know, I've been what you were talking about people thinking that whatever mental struggle they're going through is unique to them. I've actually been there in in the years past and thought this challenge or this mental health problem that I have is unique to me. And when I started talking to people and realizing how common some of the things that I struggle with were, it was such a big turnaround for me. And it's just changed my life greatly because it was like oh well I'm not alone in this and a
0: lot of people too will when it's suggested that they talk to somebody about it they will think that the person can't help them if they can't relate so I'll have people that will ask me certain questions of like Well, have you Mm. been through this before? You've never been through this. How are you going to help me? Or like, you don't know what this is like. And, you know, one of the things that I always say is, does a cardiologist have to have heart surgery in order for them to do their job? And like, no, you you don't have to have heart surgery in order to Mm. perform on a heart, right? You have to have Mm -hmm. the experience Mm -hmm. and the exposure and the understanding. Right. being able to connect with another human being and allow that person to, you know, have a space to just kind of rest and recharge and get the support that they need.
1: So, one of the things that I notice when I try to encourage people within my community to seek help, or to seek therapy or something of that sort is that I don't want to explain my personal business to a stranger. Right It's like what happened in my home stays in my home because that's how, especially when it comes to the older generation, that's how they were raised. So deviating from that, it can be a real challenge and a real struggle for some of the our older people within our community.
0: Yeah, and one of the reasons or two of the reasons why people say that they don't talk outside of their home are for the two things that I, I mentioned, feeling like the person that they're talking to, it's not relatable and also feeling ashamed because they feel like these are issues that maybe they might only endure and other people cannot understand it or might look at them as weak for reaching out and addressing these issues. Pride also too. Sometimes, especially, you know, cultural families, they can have a lot of pride. But again, when you reach a place where you're tired or you feel like you've kind of like Ran out of options, and you see that there's one option here. If you're willing to just take that chance, you don't realize how much it might help you.
1: So, one of the things that I used to struggle with a lot was anxiety. It was so bad to the point where it was turning into panic attacks. And as a believer, it was as safe to say, if I said I was experiencing anxiety, That means I was confessing it upon myself and that means I was calling it into existence. But it wasn't until I started talking to it and seeking help for it and praying about it that I was able to overcome it. So what are some things that, you know, somebody listening to this who may have been experiencing anxiety or some other negative emotion can actually use to help overcome it? One of the things
0: about anxiety is it's something that everybody experiences. Like if you say that you don't ever experience anxiety, it's not true because the basic definition that I give to a lot of my clients, what anxiety is, is pretty much the fear of something that has not happened yet. And all of us tend to have some sort of thought, feeling, or reaction when we think about something ahead of time that we're not prepared for, or we don't know the outcome. And anxiety, if on a healthy level, can be useful. It keeps us humble. It keeps us grounded. It keeps us appreciative. Like those fears, if it's within that right maintenance or level, is great for us. The problem is when it becomes excessive, then it becomes debilitating. And when it comes overly excessive, Then we have to tap into the reality of sometimes our chemicals are off and that's what's influencing that anxiety. Or sometimes if it's not our chemicals are off, but just how we are really focusing more on those fears of something that hasn't happened yet instead of what you're looking forward to doing about that thing that hasn't happened yet. You know, that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't take into account. So there's a lot of things that you can do when it comes to anxiety and managing it. You want to focus on the body and you also want to focus on the mind. So again, addressing things that are fearful to you and how to overcome those fears or rationalizing it. Some people will have a fear and I do this exercise, I call it, and then what, right? Where they're like, oh, I'm afraid that this person, if I do this, this person is going to be mad at me. And I'm like, and then what? And then they're going to do this. And I'm like, and then what? And we keep peeling that layer until we come to the realization that the outcome is not as bad as we really think it's going to be. Or another exercise I like to do is the facts. You know, what are the facts? When you have a fear about something, let's talk about the good facts and the good things that you bring to the table Mm -hmm. or the good things that are connected to the reality of that situation. You know, those are things that help calm your anxiety. Another thing, though, um, is when we think about the body, when we're anxious, how do we then calm the body down? So now we're processing things that are calming the mind down. But when we're anxious and we feel like our chest is tight or we're shaky or our stomach hurts or we're nauseous, we can't sleep, then how do you incorporate things that actually calm your body down? And one of the suggestions is you tap into something connected to your five senses and focus on those things. Something that you can see, smell, hear, touch, feel, and really hone in on that to make your body be distracted from what's going on with your fears and your mind and regulate your body.
1: That's great because I'm listening thinking of some of the ways I can incorporate it into my own practice, but I want to talk about self-care, right? Because now it's almost like it's obnoxious. It's like the media has made self-care to, you know.
0: I, I'm i one of those people too. I'm guilty. Now when I hear it, self-care, 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 I'm like, it's cringy. And it's almost like you're throwing shade at people too when you're like, self-care? I need to focus on my self-care. Like <laughs> It's just like, it's kind of annoying. So one thing that I've been, you know, talking to my clients about and just kind of sharing through videos of encouragement is instead of using the word self-care, if you feel like you're automatically going to reject that phrase, that phrase, then let's focus on how you're going to honor your body. How did you honor yourself? So when you say, instead of being like, oh, self-care, self-care, I'm going to do self-care, I need to do my self-care. I will ask my clients, like, for example, I'll be like, Mildred, how did you honor your body today? How did you honor yourself today? It allows you to get into a place where you're being held accountable to actually do something. And when you think about honoring your body, you think about the things that you want to prioritize that are going to allow you to take care of yourself and your body. So I like to use honoring.
1: And I'm pretty sure you've seen it out there. If you see how the media is portraying self-care, it's almost like it just has a bad rep now, right? Yes. Um, before it was saying as something that people were moving towards, uh, you know, because it it really has some really good benefits. So, but again, like I said, it has a really bad rep. What are the benefits of self-care?
0: Yeah, because that should be private. I feel like, like you said, the word self, and I loved how you used the connection of like selfie- self-care, selfish, all of those things. Mm -hmm. It's no longer like that word is no longer about self, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. it's really to be projected towards other people because when we think about self, it should be something that's very intimate and private and special and just for us, you know, so now we use honoring and honoring, you know, our body Mm. or honoring our mind. That's a more way to kind of keep it private and intimate and for yourself.
1: Yeah, I like the way you said with your body because in our society that is full of the selfie and all about me and and self and self, sometimes thinking about self-care almost make me feel, you know, selfish. So social media is another thing that has been contributing significantly to our mental well-being. There's so many research studies about the impact of you know, social media. I know a couple of years back, I had to take a sabbatical from social media because I was so deep into comparison. I would either compare myself to people as if I was better than or I was not good enough. So how, I just want to like, you know, dig into that a little bit more because I literally had to like get off every social media platform. I told myself, like, I'm not going to do this. Um, Use social media until I feel like I have a grip or I've overcome this thing of comparison. So how has social media impacted our mental health? Because I know social media can become really toxic.
0: I have a love hate relationship with social media. I love the memes. I love all the funny stuff. But the reality is, like you said, social media can be incredibly toxic. You know, not only because we now live in a society where we have to feel like we're competing with other people in order to feel adequate or people set these bars that, you know, are considered quote unquote a standard based upon What social media is saying and and portraying out there to us, right? So people, that in itself, it can be really, really toxic. But another thing that a lot of people don't take into consideration is just being on the phone. All of the lights and the sounds and the colors and the noises when you are like constantly on social media, it also can be incredibly overstimulating for your brain. So like for me, I also, too, am a woman of faith. I'm also a Christian. And every year I do a fast in the beginning of the year, and I fast social media. And I find myself, when I am off social media, not only because of the time, but I find myself calmer, I can focus more, I sleep better, I'm not as, I don't want to say irritable, but my body is just calmer and different because I'm not constantly exposing myself to all of this overstimulation of things, situations, news, lights, colors, people, fashion, opinions. I mean, it's so much stuff that is just really overstimulating to the brain and your brain needs to rest. So um, I think it's also important not only to take a break from social media because of the comparisons, like you said but also, too, from all of the things that just bring um, stimulation to the brain, not only the mind, but to the brain, where it's affecting you and your whole body.
1: One of the things that a lot of people have challenges with is how do you handle a situation when you have experienced failure, right? How do you handle a situation where you have failed or you haven't met the expectation that you had hoped? And that's one of the things I had to learn over the years is that my natural response to a failure is how could you like, you know, to just really talk down on myself and really just beat up myself about it. But, you know, in recent years, I've started to learn that, oh, no, you talk to yourself how you would talk to somebody else, you know, somebody you care about if they had experienced failure. So, what are some other ways that, you know, in situations like that, what are some tools or resources that people can use when they find themselves in fail expectation or just failure? Mm-hmm.
0: So, it's going to be really important to give yourself grace. Like, we all need to give ourselves grace. But one thing is also important is we need to also be open to reframing the things that we want to challenge ourselves to be better at. So, somebody like me, as if I were your clinician, I would tell you that it's okay to make space to correct yourself, to review, to find ways to be better. So let's reframe instead of criticism or looking at it as like beating yourself up, let's kind of reframe that and rename that and add some grace to it so that you can still allow yourself to have space to challenge yourself to grow and challenge yourself to be better, but while doing it in a way where there's support to yourself and there's grace. Because sometimes too, we're in a um, season or an era where everything is being embraced and accepted. Everything. And there's no boundaries on those things, right? So we don't want to be in a place where you're going through something and then maybe you see you can be better and nobody's saying that you should be really hard on yourself or affect your self-esteem, but it gets completely wiped away and embraced because we just accept anything and everything these days. So it's like, Mildred, it's fine. You're perfectly fine. Do whatever you want. Like you have your right to kind of speak and move the way that you move. There's no such thing as professionalism anymore. It's all about just being yourself and just saying whatever you want. And you're like, no, I do have a standard. And there's a thing that I want to keep about myself. So I would like to keep that part of me that does review and kind of, challenges myself or hold myself accountable will be better there so
1: make space for it
0: but add some grace to it
1: that makes a whole lot of sense because it gave you the opportunity to grow rather than be in this whole do you boo moment a movement that we're in and speaking my truth is my truth it's just who i am am it's my authenticity uh it's it's who it's just who i am Um, that allows you to grow, but grow in grace. I like that. So when I imagine my audience or the guests on the show, we are people who give them tools and resources that they can actually use to build up their life. I know we talk about a lot of them, but what are some other tools and resources that can be helpful um, for people when it comes to improving their mental health?
0: Yeah, well, continue to listen to this podcast <laughs> oh, or to your series of podcasts because you seem to be providing a wealth of information to people. So continue to do that. If you are interested in therapy, check out Psychology Today. Psychology Today has a list of us on there where you can just go and really hone in on the type of therapist that you're looking for. It even, you can break it down to, you know, race, you can break it down to location. Forms of payment, all of the different insurance, everything that you need. So, definitely, um, psychology today is another great resource. Go and tap into additional podcasts. There's so many out there you don't realize that if there is a topic that you need support in, if you type it into you know Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube or whatever your preference is, there's definitely a wealth of information you know that is out there. Another resource that I say, if you are, um, if you can, not everybody is a journaler, you know, not everybody writes, but sometimes if you can record or write something, even if it's in your phone or a little video selfie or, you know, writing something in a journal notebook and look back at those things, it is such a great way to reflect and also guide yourself on the things you need to do who you want to be and where you want to go, so journaling is also a great way for you to help yourself when it comes to healing and discovery and, and growth.
1: I really like the journaling thing. Um, that has been one of my ways of just tracking growth and tracking how I have grown over the years. My mom make a joke. She's like, Well, we go to." The store sometimes she and I pick up another journal. She would say, Again, don't you already have a lot? But I love journaling and it helps me clear my head and also help me see, you know, my progress and the, the improvement that I've made in my life. And sometimes some of the things that I talk. Oh my God, the world was coming to an end. It's such a big deal. And then when I look back and I just laugh and say, Oh my God, I can't believe this was such a big thing, you know, a big deal to me at the time. And now, it, like, I don't even care for it anymore. So it, it's really a great way to one, calm your mind, and two, just see your growth over the years. Yes, it's an excellent tool. And has also, like, another thing that I really do like about journaling is it has helped me to be able to forgive people who I may not, you know, ever come face to face with. I'm able to write out the things that I would have said to them or would like to say to them. And journaling has really been able to help me to forgive others. So I want to shift gear a little bit and talk about trauma right? Because a lot of times when we think about trauma, we sometimes think about like the physical effect or we think about it from an emotional standpoint. Usually we don't make the connection of, you know, mental health and the physical, like even if it wasn't a physical abuse or physical trauma, but that trauma can impact your physical health.
0: Yes. So when we talk about trauma, right? Trauma is pretty much when somebody experienced something that is incredibly impactful, incredibly stressful or hurtful to them. And the reality is everybody's trauma is different and their levels of trauma can vary too. So where one person might experience something that was traumatic for them, somebody else might not react in that way. It doesn't absorb in their body in the same way. So Everybody's trauma is different. Um, and oftentimes, again, like I was saying about the chemicals in our body and, you know, how it influences our body, that it's the same thing with trauma. When we experience or witness something, it automatically can affect the body. It automatically can affect the mind. And so it's also another thing where you see symptoms of, I mean, there's a variety of symptoms, but it will be things that are Out of the ordinary or not within your routine and are things that are concerning. So a typical thing with trauma is maybe our mood and how we respond to certain things that we were okay to tolerate before we're unable to really tolerate it in that moment or after the trauma has happened. Again, eating, sleeping, you know, bodily functions, nausea. Sometimes, you know, we might experience something, for example, let's say, something traumatic happens and there was a certain scent when it happened. And then we come across that scent again, but the trauma is not presented to us again. Our body will react to it because it's tied in with that trauma or that traumatic event, you know, high blood pressure and any sort of um, pulmonary issues, issues with our lungs. Oftentimes when we are anxious, right. Or let's say we come across something that's really stressful What do we often do or how does our body react to it? Sometimes it's so scary that what are we doing? We're like breathing and our heart is beating like really hard. It's pounding and we're having a hard time getting our breath. If we are experiencing a traumatic situation or we have experienced a traumatic situation that we have not been able to heal from or recover from, those body functions are still going to respond in that way. So pretty much it's anything that is atypical from your bodily functions now that are um, in the the realm of things that are concerning or not your typical self or impactful.
1: So research shows that trauma can lead to a lot of inflammation, which can cause chronic diseases. I know you talk about hypertension or high blood pressure, but what are some other chronic diseases that can result from trauma?
0: Well, and also too, one of the things is when your, your body goes through stress or experiences something that is traumatic, it significantly affects our hormones and it also affects our cortisol levels. So cortisol is the stress hormone that often gets produced when we experience anything that is stressful or threatening or traumatic to us, right? So oftentimes people will um, gain weight. Um, the cortisol hormone is responsible for that and oftentimes a lot of belly fat. And so if we're developing belly fat and that extra weight there, what do you think that that's doing to our overall health and our overall body? More than likely, we're losing energy. More than likely, you know, we're having a hard time kind of doing the things that we're used to doing. If we're losing energy and we're tired, are we eating healthy? Are we staying on top of our routine? Oftentimes, those things fall by the wayside, which then is like a triggering effect to affecting your body as a whole. If you're exposed to trauma or stress, and maybe your cortisol levels or your hormones are often different, and maybe you're tired, you don't have the same energy. And then what happens? What do we do? We're not cooking. We're eating takeout. Or we're eating things that are more filling and convenient. I know I'm Liberian too. We love rice. Rice is our staple, but we eat so much rice. Like, what do you think it then does to your body? And you know, inflammation and inflammation is pretty much a response to things that our body is not liking that our body is saying, no, we don't want this. This is not good for us. This is affecting us. You know, so all of those things play a role and tie together when we think about trauma and stress.
1: So I know you touched on it earlier about, you know, some of the symptoms of trauma, but I think sometimes when people hear trauma, people think about the way media portray, right? That dark alley scenario where you're walking down the alley and there's a stranger who you know from nowhere grabs you and beat you up and in some cases rape you or, you know, Cause some even more deadly harm to you and that's considered traumatic what is some like how do you even know like if you never had you know and in most cases that's not you know in some cases that's sometimes that's uh sometimes that is not the case so how can people understand or how can people detect when an experience has been traumatic
0: yeah it's definitely when that feeling or that thought is lingering, and then it's an impacting your everyday movements, lives, outcomes or desires. When you feel like that thing is still lingering or you're still unable to — again, if your body is reacting to um, trauma in its own way with you know hormones or chemical balances or cortisol or anything of that nature, and you're still stuck in that pattern then that's a clear indicator that you experienced something that was traumatic enough to keep you stuck. And so it's really important that we're sensitive to that. And, you know, you can't help what's traumatic to you or what's not traumatic to you. So it's really unfair when people kind of label it as, you know, in order for you to really have trauma, you have to be in a war and you have to go and experience the most heinous, excruciating, scariest thing on earth But, I mean, trauma could be being consistently mistreated by a family member, a spouse, a boyfriend, or whatever, and impact you so much that you're not yourself anymore and the way that you move and your outlook on things has shifted. That is a result of something that was big enough to do that which is fair game for trauma.
1: So I want to talk a little bit about the different types of abuse, because I think sometimes when we think about abuse, we limit it to the physical abuse. We can miss other forms of abuses. I was fortunate to grow up in a home where, you know, I wasn't abused by my immediate family member, but growing up, there were a lot of people who, just because they weren't you know physically being abused, um, didn't see treatments or didn't see you know things that other people did to them as abused, they thought it was just a normal thing. it was a way of life, and everybody that's what everybody was doing mm-hmm.
0: and sometimes too, you know one way to spot that is when you are in a different environment. And so not everybody's going to say, I'm going to make the conscious effort to change my environment, but sometimes even just being a part of something different when you recognize that the norm is not the way that you typically operate, right? So let's use, for example, you're used to being disrespected and minimized and just undervalued in your households. And you've never been given the opportunity to just feel supported, feel loved, feel encouraged feel all of these great things and you go into the realm of being in school or you go to church or you go to work and the language and the approach and the style is different. And you're like, this is not what I'm used to. I've never been exposed to these great things before and it's kind of scary, but it's not something that I'm used to. When you see that the consensus is all the same, but your thing is different, then you know that you have been going through an experience that has been traumatic and very impactful for you in a negative way. And I mean, if we really go and really break that down too, granted, you know, Liberia has a, a lot of great qualities and they have their setbacks too. And America has a lot of great qualities and it has its setbacks too, right? But America has a typical standard or culture in certain areas when it comes to support and love and encouragement and how they speak to people and certain nuclear families or ways of doing things that may be different with how things are done back in Liberia. So when you're used to doing the same thing over and over and over in Liberia, and then you come here and you're like, oh, but I'm not used to expressing my feelings like in America, they encourage you to do or like, I'm not used to Doing this, and here they encourage you to do that. Then you kind of go back and you reflect and say, Did I experience something that was traumatic? And I didn't realize that because I wasn't exposed to something better.
1: Growing up, you know, my mom already did a really good job of empowering me to speak up and put me in a situation that allows me to be able to voice my concerns and things that didn't go well. But there were a lot of other people who were unfortunately. There were a lot of physical abuse. There were situations where because, you know, the man had the money so he could do whatever he wanted to with the woman and all they had to do was take it and accept it. And, you know, that's one of the things that I'm really, I really hate. I know it's a strong word, but I cannot stand a man who will lift his hand to beat a woman. And it was really common to see, you know, the men beating the the women. It was almost like, oh, uh, it was accepted culturally. Uh huh.
0: And I think too, there's something about people labeling those things as culture. Sometimes we have things that happen within mm. our generation and they become things that are in a cycle, but it's not necessarily culture. And I think it's important that We really Mm -hmm. can, you know, sift those things out of things that are truly culture and tradition versus things that are just in a toxic cycle and not merge the two and be able to identify them as different Mm -hmm. and then make those shifts and changes. And it's going to take people stepping outside of their comfort zone and people like you and I that recognize that these things are not part of the culture. These things are toxic. These things are abnormal and unfavorable, and that there's help out there for people who are going through these traumas or people who are spreading the trauma. Once you do that, it also contributes to breaking that, um, that norm and removing it from something that's labeled as culture.
1: Absolutely. So if somebody listening to us and, you know, is ready to start the healing process, where do they start?
0: Yeah. So sometimes I like to encourage people who are not sure and they want to start their healing journey, but they don't feel like completely ready. I always say start from the outside and move in. So the outside realms are more so like start just doing general research, go on Google, start asking questions, go on YouTube, like start there. And when you feel comfortable and you feel like you want to take it to the next step, then talk to a friend. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. What are your experiences? What are your opinions, right? Talk to a friend that's really a supportive friend. Let them give you insight and support. Or maybe if you even want to pull it back even more, you can go with like, you know, talking and doing your research online and then listening to a podcast, talking to a friend, and then talking to, a therapist, you know, so finding ways to just go as general as possible and then move in concentration as comfortable as you can, and then you'll be good to go. Therapy is for everybody, and you can go to therapy for good news, bad news, or no news. Continue listening to this podcast and the episodes that are here because it is meant to help you. And be
1: intentional about honoring yourself and your body. All right. All right. very welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show, Victoria. I really do appreciate you coming and sharing your knowledge with us. Thanks for tuning into The Whole bench Show today. We hope that you found value in today's episode and that it inspired you to live a more balanced and healthy life. Remember... We're here to help you balance your mind, nourish your body, and elevate your spirit one episode at a time. If you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and subscribe. Follow us on social media at journey T-W-B-S. Journey is spelled J-O-U-R-N-I-Y. We know wellness is a journey, but we also know that it needs to be inclusive. That's why we spell journey with an I. So go ahead, follow us, subscribe, and leave us a feedback because that's how we know to produce content that will be valuable to you.